Welcome in to another episode of Dynasty Digest. I'm your host, Chris Allen. Week one of preseason is officially rolling, and soon enough we will start to see some of the roster battles working themselves out for teams. It's also a good chance to check out some of the rookies as they get their first snaps in the NFL. But make sure you don't put too much value into it, as many of them are still learning the playbooks and adjusting to the NFL level of play. We're going to keep rolling with our divisional breakdown series. We're wrapping up the AFC, heading to the AFC West today. A fairly competitive division with lots of fantasy value. But before we dive into the breakdown, let's take a look at some of the news over the last few days. Devontae Adams suffered a right leg injury at practice on Friday and limped off the field before trainers looked at him and eventually put a sleeve on his right shin. It's believed to be a minor injury, but keep an eye out for updates on that. J.K. Dobbins is currently on the pup list, but he has been absent from practices lately as well. It's sounding like this could be due to him wanting a contract extension. Fantasy managers will of course hope that this doesn't push into the regular season, but we will have to wait and see how long it is until he returns to practice. As for now, he is missing valuable reps before the season starts. Jalen Waddell left joint practice against the Falcons on Wednesday, and while the injury is currently unspecified, reports are he was holding his side as he left the field with training staff. He is not playing in Friday night's preseason game against the Falcons, and as always, we will keep you updated once we hear more of his injury and timeline to return. Rashad Bateman is officially off the pup list and was working in individual drills on Thursday. The Ravens starters are expected to sit out Saturday's contest against the Eagles anyways, so hopefully he is able to return to full practice soon. Panthers running back Miles Sanders is likely to be held out of Saturday's preseason game against the Jets after tweaking his groin on Wednesday. We will hopefully have an update by the next podcast on his timeline. But, as always, groin injuries are troublesome, as they tend to be easily re-aggravated throughout the season. George Kittle is dealing with an abductor sprain, and is expected to be out for at least a week. It doesn't sound like the injury is too serious, so there is a chance he is able to suit up for the 49ers Week 2 preseason game. The last news we'll mention is on Jerome Ford. The Browns running back suffered a hamstring injury in practice on Monday and head coach Kevin Stefanski has labeled him as week-to-week. He is slated to be the Browns' number two back and get a significant amount of work this season, but his durability is now worrisome for 2023, as hamstring injuries can bother a player for longer than fantasy managers hope. That's all for the news today. Now let's take a look at the AFC West breakdown. We'll look at the Broncos first to start off our AFC West breakdown. And as always, we'll start at QB with Russell Wilson. He finished 2022 as the quarterback 16 with 3,524 yards, 16 touchdowns, and 11 interceptions. He also added 277 rush yards and 3 touchdowns, 
Wilson's first year in Denver equated to the worst fantasy season of his career. He finished with only five top 12 QB finishes, and his 60.5% completion rate was a career low. He has a solid receiving core, but it appears Wilson may be seeing a decline in his performance. New head coach Sean Payton looks to rejuvenate the Broncos' offense, which ranked dead last in the league in points per game last season. Wilson looks to be a low-end QB2 with solid upside if he can take a step forward from his 2022 season and use the receiving weapons to his advantage. Injury-wise, Wilson missed two games last year, one due to a partially torn hamstring and another due to a concussion. He had surgery on his right knee after the season finished but is back to full health now. He turns 35 in November, and with shoulder, hamstring, and thigh issues in the past 12 months, his durability is definitely a concern heading into this season. Next, we'll look at Javante Williams. Williams finished as the RB82 after suffering a torn ACL and LCL in Week 4 of 2022. It is very rare that you see a player return to their previous form after a multi-ligament injury. Denver lost Latavius Murray and Melvin Gordon in the offseason, but added Samaje Pirine on a two-year deal. Their offensive line should also improve, as they added two offensive linemen through free agency, and left tackle Garrett Bowles will be back after missing the final 12 games of the season with a broken leg. Sean Payton is known for using multiple RBs in an offense, and with Williams coming off a devastating injury, a large workload for him is most likely out of the picture. I see him as a low-end RB2 or flex play, with not much upside. Williams avoided the pup list to start training camp, and it sounds like he will even get some action in preseason. He has had no major setbacks in his recovery, which is of course good news. That being said, he definitely has some injury risk heading into this season. The backup running back is Samaje Pirine, who finished 2022 in Cincy as the RB37. Pirine set career highs in targets, catches, receiving yards, and receiving touchdowns last year. In the two games he started for Cincy when Mixon was out last season, he finished as the RB9 and the RB6. The Broncos' offense is not as explosive as the Bengals', but he still projects to see a solid amount of snaps this season. I see him finishing in the low-end flex territory, but he does have decent upside. As we just mentioned, Sean Payton is known to use multiple backs, and he is the clear number two RB on the Broncos, and the number one option is coming off a major injury. Pirine hasn't seen a significant injury in the NFL since 2018, so his durability is nothing to be concerned about. For wide receivers, we'll start with Jerry Judy. He finished 2022 as the wide receiver 20 with 67 receptions for 972 yards and 6 touchdowns. Judy dealt with multiple injuries last year, which may have impacted his success. Still, he finished in the wide receiver 2 territory. In the 10 healthy games they played together, he saw 75 targets to Cortland Sutton's 71. The biggest question for Judy is the play of Russell Wilson this season. He is the favorite to lead the Broncos in 2023, and head coach Sean Payton has said Judy will be a big part of what we do. His fifth-year option has been picked up by Denver as well, meaning he has at least two more seasons in this offense, barring a trade. 
Judy looks to be a low-end wide receiver too, with high upside if Russell Wilson can rebound from last season's performance. Judy's 2022 started with a chest injury in Week 2, which forced him out of the game and saw him limited the next week. He also dealt with an ankle injury, which saw him leave early in their Week 10 matchup, and he missed Week 11 and 12 as well. His injury history is a bit lengthier than you'd hope for a third-year pro, so his durability should make owners a bit nervous heading into this season. The next wide receiver we'll look at is Cortland Sutton. He finished 2022 as the wide receiver 43, with 64 receptions for 829 yards and two touchdowns. Sutton kind of feels like he's just been hanging around the league at this point. Besides his wide receiver 19 finish in 2019, he has failed to break into the top 40 wide receiver grouping in his other four seasons. His top finish in 2022 was as wide receiver 15 in Week 2, and he only had four finishes in the top 24. There has also been trade rumors surrounding the Broncos' wide receiver room this offseason, and I would think he would be the preferred receiver to send off over Judy. Although a fresh start could potentially change his outlook, there is no guarantee of that happening. The Broncos added competition for Sutton in second-round pick Marvin Mims and free agency addition Marquez Calloway, who spent 2022 and 2021 with Sean Payton. I would hesitate to have him in the starting lineup this season. Sutton was injured with a hamstring injury in Week 13 of 2022, and he missed the following two games. In 2020, he tore his ACL and MCL, and he's struggled to be fantasy-relevant since then, other than the fact that he's one of the top two receivers on the team. He is healthy entering training camp, but there is some durability concerns heading into this season. As for rookie wide receiver Marvin Mims, he had a solid final season at Oklahoma, racking up 54 receptions for 1,083 yards and 6 touchdowns in 13 games. He has good speed and saw a lot of deep balls last season. But at 5'11 and 183 pounds, he pans out as a slot-wide receiver. He doesn't look to be a target hog and will battle with Marquez Callaway for the wide receiver 3 job. Callaway has experience in Sean Payton's offense, but he also traded up to draft Mims. You may have to be patient with the wide receiver, but there is a chance he grows his game and finds a spot in this offense. He doesn't look to be startable this season, however. Mims missed some time due to a hamstring injury while training prior to camp, but he's been back and logging full practices at training camp. The tight end we'll look at for the Broncos is Greg Dulcich. He finished 2022 as the tight end 30 in 10 games played. Despite an injury-riddled season, Dulcich ranked 15th in tight end points per game in half PPR leagues. In his 10 games, he had 6 top 12 showings, and 4 where he scored 5 points or less. New head coach Sean Payton has been all over the place in his comments about him. In April, he was quoted as saying the evaluation on Dulcich was hard. Later during off-season practices, he said he had traits that are exciting, and alluded to having a vision for him. It is a step in the right direction. Competition-wise, Denver also added former Saint Adam Troutman and Albert O. returned to the team. I see Dulcich finishing in the mid-tight end two range this season, and he should have some good weeks, 
but I'd be nervous about him as a season-long starter on my roster. Injury-wise, he struggled in 2022 with his durability. He strained his hamstring in off-season workouts at the end of July and missed the first five games of the season as a result. He popped back up on the injury report near the end of the season, again with a hamstring injury, and was placed on IR. He missed the final two games of the season as a result. There is definitely injury risk with him entering this season. The one player to watch for the Broncos is wide receiver Marquez Callaway. As we said earlier, him and Mims should battle for the wide receiver three role on the Broncos. With trade rumors suggesting either Judy or Sutton could be traded before the start of the season, it's been quiet on that front as of late. But if one of them is shipped off, Callaway could find himself with an immediate increase in value as a guaranteed top three wide receiver in the offense, even though it was pretty dull in 2022. The next team we'll look at is the Chargers, starting with QB Justin Herbert. He finished 2022 as the QB 11, with 4,739 yards, 25 touchdowns, and 10 interceptions. Herbert had a career low in passing touchdowns last year, down from 38 in 2021 and 31 in 2022. His top two receivers both missed time with injury. Herbert will have an exciting group of weapons at his disposal this season. And new offensive coordinator Kellen Moore is a pass-heavy play caller. The offensive line will also see left tackle Rashawn Slater return after missing the final 14 games with a torn bicep in 2022. His career low in rushing yards could have been due to the rib injury he suffered early in the season. He projects to finish as a QB1 next season, most likely in the top 5-6 to six of QBs. Herbert had surgery in January to repair a torn labrum in his non-throwing shoulder. He started throwing again in May and is a full participant in training camp. He's on track to be ready to go by week one. For running backs, we'll look at Austin Eckler. He finished 2022 as the RB1. He had 915 rushing yards and 13 touchdowns and he also had 107 receptions for 722 yards and 5 touchdowns. Eckler had a huge finish last season, and he has finished as a top 5 RB in 3 of the past 4 seasons. His performance in the passing game was the most impressive, as his reception number tied CMC for the second best performance of all time. His touchdown numbers were helped by the amount of goal line opportunities he saw with 24 carries and 13 targets inside the 10-yard line. The Chargers made no additions to their RB room, so Eckler should see high volume again in 2023. At 28 years old, he projects to finish easily as a top-5 RB this season. I would almost guarantee he sees regression from his 18 total touchdowns and 107 receptions, though. Eckler agreed to a restructured deal that keeps him in L.A. for this season, after which he becomes an unrestricted free agent. The RB market makes me nervous about what that means for him, especially as he has been a vocal part of the RB group in this narrative. So he will be looking to be paid. But he's a tremendous value for this season, so it's up to you as an owner whether or not that risk is worth holding him through the entirety of the season or trading him away. Eckler was healthy throughout the 2022 season. 
The 2021 season, however, was a different story. While he only missed one game due to a positive COVID test, he also dealt with an ankle sprain, hamstring pull, and a hip issue throughout the season. Eckler owners will hope that season was a one-off, but I would be wary that he may miss time in 2023. The first wide receiver we'll look at for the Chargers is Mike Williams. He finished as the wide receiver 29 last year, with 63 receptions for 895 yards and 4 touchdowns. Adjusting for his games missed due to injury, he was wide receiver 15 for points per game in half PPR leagues. In the four games he and Keenan Allen played together, Allen won the target battle 43-28. to Williams' PFF receiving grade ranked 19th last season, and he finished with five top 13 wide receiver finishes in his 11 games. Justin Herbert ranked 32nd out of 35 eligible QBs in average depth of throw, which is a strong suit of Williams. He ranked top 20 on PFF in targets of 20-plus yards from 2020 to 2022. He shouldn't see a ton of target loss from rookie Quinton Johnston, as I'd guess the majority of his targets will be taken from Josh Palmer. He looks to finish as a low-end wide receiver too. I wouldn't be shocked if him and Keenan are near each other at the end-of-year rankings, though. Williams missed four games due to injury last year, and was bounced out early in another two. He suffered a high ankle sprain in Week 7 and re-aggravated the injury in Week 11. He also left the season finale for the Chargers with back spasms. In 2021, he left a game early due to knee issues, and in 2020, he dealt with back and shoulder issues. His durability is somewhat of a red flag heading into 2023. The next wide receiver we'll look at is Keenan Allen. He finished as the wide receiver 42 in 10 games played. He had 66 receptions for 752 yards and 4 touchdowns. Allen fell victim to a nagging hamstring injury in 2022. In the final eight games of the season, he was second in the league in targets behind Justin Jefferson. He ranked third in PPR points for wide receivers among that stretch as well. He turned 31 in April, but there hasn't been any evidence of decline yet. His PFF receiving grade actually improved in 2022 from 2021. Allen will see competition for targets from Quinton Johnston. But QJ should steal more snaps from Williams and Palmer, as Allen spent a high percentage of his plays in the slot wide receiver position. I would expect Allen to finish in the mid-wide receiver 2 range, but he has high upside if the target share between him and Mike Williams mentioned previously comes into fruition. Allen went down with a hamstring injury in the season opener and missed the next five games. He re-aggravated the injury in week 7, which forced him out the next two weeks. That was his first reported injury in three seasons and his first major injury since 2016, so I wouldn't be too worried about his durability. The last wide receiver we'll look at is rookie Quinton Johnston. Johnston's final season at TCU resulted in 60 receptions for 1,069 yards and 6 touchdowns. He was a first-round pick by the Chargers in the 2023 NFL Draft. He joins an offense with two proven wide receivers and faces strong competition to rise up the depth chart past the number three wide receiver role. 
LA's third wide receiver last year, Josh Palmer, finished with 72 receptions and 769 yards with three touchdowns. Palmer did benefit from Allen and Williams' injuries last season. I would expect QJ to finish around the same mark Palmer did last season, but I wouldn't be shocked if he makes it up into the wide receiver three range. He has great value dynasty-wise, and judging by some of the training camp clips, he could be a problem for DBs this season. QJ did have durability issues in college. In 2021, he missed three games after hyperextending his knee. In 2022, he dealt with an ankle sprain, which he aggravated twice throughout the season. That being said, he is healthy entering training camp. At tight end, we'll look at Gerald Everett. Last year, he finished as the tight end 15, with 58 receptions for 555 yards and four touchdowns. Everett had a career-best season last year, setting highs in targets, catches, and yards while also matching his career high in touchdowns. He scored as a top 13 tight end seven times last season, but was somewhat of a boom or bust tight end. The tight end room in LA stays basically identical to last year, so he remains the favorite for the tight end one role. However, he does face target competition with the addition of QJ. Despite his career high season, I would expect the incline stops for him this year, and he'll likely finish in the lower tight end two range. He did leave early in week 10 of 2022 with a groin injury and missed week 11 as well. However, he has been fairly durable throughout his career, so there is little injury risk for him this season. A couple players to watch. First off, running back Josh Kelly. He was second in snaps last season behind Eckler. The only change to the RB room is the loss of Sony Michelle so Kelly is the handcuff to Eckler this season. We'll also quickly look at Isaiah Spiller. Spiller didn't see the field much last season, and 2023 will probably be the same story for him. He is a decent stash if Eckler decides to leave in free agency after this season, though, as he could move into the running back two spot. However, there is always a chance they sign someone next offseason that keeps him at the number three spot, too. The last player to watch for the Chargers is wide receiver Josh Palmer. He finished as the wide receiver 41, one spot ahead of Keenan Allen. While he now projects as the number 4 wide receiver behind QJ, he's a good stash pick as he has shown his talent and some of the wide receivers ahead of him sport durability concerns. The third team we'll look at is the Kansas City Chiefs, starting with quarterback Patrick Mahomes. He finished last season as the QB1, with 5,250 yards, 41 touchdowns, and 12 interceptions. He also added 358 rushing yards and 4 touchdowns. Mahomes was Mr. Reliable once again last season, and he finished in the top 4 QBs for the 4th time in his 5th starting season. He had a subpar wide receiver core last year, and unfortunately that hasn't changed for him this year. His best receiver was tight end Travis Kelsey, who is of course back for this season. He did lose his offensive coordinator to a head coaching position in Washington, but I wouldn't expect the offense to change too much. Mahomes is a lock to finish in the top four of QBs again, and despite his lackluster wide receivers, he showed last year that he can still put up monster fantasy numbers without a stud wide receiver like Tyreek Hill. 
As we were all recently reminded of in Netflix's new quarterback series, Mahomes suffered a high ankle sprain in the divisional round matchup versus the Jags. As we were also reminded, he has no problem pushing through an injury. He has started 34 out of 34 games in the past two years. For running backs, first we'll look at Isaiah Pacheco. He finished 2022 as the RB36 with 830 rushing yards and 5 touchdowns. Receiving-wise, he had 13 receptions for 130 yards. Pacheco was one of the most surprising players of last season. He really took off over the second half of the season as he saw 92.8 of his 124.5 half PPR points from Week 11 on. Despite this, his best finish on the season was an RB11 and below that, RB16. Pacheco looks to be the lead runner once again this season, but I'm not sure he'll take any added receiving work from McKinnon, which limits his ceiling. Because of this, I would project him as a low-end RB2 to a flex option. Pacheco broke a bone in his hand in the AFC Championship game, but he did play in the Super Bowl. The bigger injury concern for him is the torn labrum he suffered which required surgery after the season. He is still waiting to be cleared for practice, but it is being reported that will happen by August 20th. He should be ready to roll by week one, but I'd be a bit nervous about his durability due to him missing potentially half of training camp and his multiple injuries last season. The other RB we'll look at is Jarek McKinnon. He finished 2022 as the RB21. He had 291 rushing yards and one touchdown, but receiving-wise he had 56 receptions for 512 yards and nine touchdowns. McKinnon also found his footing fantasy-wise in the second half of the season, tallying 66.4% of his points in the last six weeks. In that stretch, we saw three top-six fantasy finishes, including two RB1 performances. This season, McKinnon is a favorite to handle passing down work. There is a chance he loses targets to another RB, but that remains to be seen. I would also predict his touchdown production regresses, which was much higher than his career high of two. His eight receiving touchdowns in the final ten games was much more than his four expected touchdowns, which is based on his usage. I would project him as a decent flex option especially in half and full PPR leagues due to his receiving usage. Although McKinnon is now 31, his durability is of little concern. He missed four games with a hamstring injury in 2021, but played in all 17 games for the Chiefs last season. The Chiefs wide receivers are all question marks this season. Last year, Juju was their top receiving option, but he left in free agency to the Patriots. We will briefly discuss each of the potential wide receivers for the Chiefs, but as an owner of these wide receivers, until an option emerges, they all feel like risky starts on a weekly basis to me. The first receiver we'll look at is Kadarius Toney. He has great potential as an athlete, but his injury concerns are a huge red flag. Since entering the league two seasons ago, he has only played in 19 games. In 11 of those games, he averaged less than 40% of snaps so he feels like a player that we really haven't seen the full scope of. 
In his 69 regular season routes last season, which is a small number, Tony saw targets at a 24.6% rate, higher than any of the other Chiefs wide receivers in that span. In 2021, he missed most of training camp with a hamstring sprain. He sprained his ankle in week 5, which was then re-aggravated in week 6, and he missed one game. Later that season, he dealt with a quad injury, an oblique strain, and an unspecified shoulder injury. In 2022, it was much of the same. He strained a hamstring in training camp, which was re-aggravated in practice in the first few weeks of the season. He missed five games as a result. He then re-injured his hamstring and missed another three games. After the Super Bowl, he underwent minor knee surgery and was ready for the start of training camp. On July 23rd, he was injured on a punt return drill in practice and underwent a surgery two days later to trim his meniscus. He is not a lock to be back for week one, and even so, I am nervous he won't last long before his durability comes back to bite him again. Another receiving option is rookie Rasheed Rice. He went in the second round to the Chiefs in the 2023 NFL Draft. Rice has seen more opportunities with the first-team offense during training camp as Tony is out with injury. He's a physical wideout that has a great chance to snatch up targets in the offense this season, and GM Brett Veach has suggested that they see the wide receiver as a potential replacement to Juju, who was the Chiefs' number one wideout last season. Reports are he has been improving daily in training camp, and I would expect he will see the field early in the season, especially if Tony misses time. Even when Tony returns, he projects to see snaps. As for Sky Moore, he struggled to find playing time in his rookie year. He played cornerback and quarterback in high school before switching to wide receiver for 30 college games, but there is still room for him to grow. He missed a lot of his rookie offseason program due to a hamstring injury, which could explain the quiet rookie season for him. This season, he has been impressive during the offseason program, and reports are he could end up as the Chiefs' top slot wide receiver. Like Rice, he has a good chance to see a good amount of snaps this season, especially if he ends up the main slot option. For tight end, we'll look at Travis Kelsey. He finished last year as the tight end one, with 110 receptions for 1,338 yards and 12 touchdowns. Kelsey is a definition of a fantasy unicorn. He has finished as the tight end one in six of the last seven seasons finishing as the tight end two in the season he missed the top spot. Last season was the most points he's had in his career in half PPR formats. He finished with a career high in targets, catches, and touchdowns on his way to 11 top five tight end finishes. He should see a massive target share again in an offense that is lacking of any star wide receiver power. Kelsey turns 34 in October but shows no signs of decline. While his age may make dynasty managers nervous, I would have no problem riding him into the ground at this production level. Part of the reason Kelsey has been so successful is his durability. He has only missed three games in nine years. Two of those were the final week of the season due to starters resting before playoffs, and one was due to COVID protocols in 2021. Finally, we'll look at the players to watch for the Chiefs starting with running back Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. 
He had two top eight showings in the first four weeks, but it's been downhill from there for CEH. That being said, I'm not totally convinced that the Chiefs are out on him, and there is a chance that he is fantasy-relevant this season. He's a late-round flyer pick at best, as there's no guarantee of that. And finally, we'll look at a couple more wide receivers. With Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Richie James, and Justin Ross. Now, I know, three wide receivers to watch, but again, no one really knows how this wide receiver room is going to finish out by the end of the season. Starting with MVS, he saw a career-high 81 targets in 2022, but only finished with 42 receptions. He finished with three top 20 wide receiver finishes, but was unstartable for the majority of the season. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets pushed down the depth chart by one of the following two receivers. Richie James signed a one-year deal with the Chiefs. He saw decent production in 2022 with the Giants due to injuries in the wide receiver room, and probably will need the same to be relevant in Kansas City in 2023. He looks fairly secure to make the roster, as he is the primary punt returner for the Chiefs entering preseason. It remains to be seen if that will translate to work on the offensive side of the ball, though. For Justin Ross, he signed with the Chiefs as an undrafted free agent last season, but spent the entire season on injured reserve after having surgery on a foot injury. He has been earning first-team reps with the Chiefs in training camp, so he has a legitimate chance to gain snaps this season. He's worth a deep league late round flyer pick, and I would keep my eye on this wide receiver room in preseason to see who might be gaining placement in the depth chart. The last team we'll look at is the Las Vegas Raiders, starting with quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo. He finished last season as the QB 25 in 11 games played. He had 2,437 yards, 16 touchdowns, and 4 interceptions and he also added two rushing touchdowns. Jimmy G started the season as the backup to Trey Lance, but stepped in when he suffered a season-ending ankle injury. He started for the Niners until week 13 when he suffered a broken left foot. Across his nine full appearances, he ranked 14th in points per game. This year, he signed a three-year deal with the Raiders, reuniting him with Josh McDaniels from his early years with the Patriots. He does have a stud-wide receiver at his disposal in Devontae Adams, but the remainder of his options aren't eye-popping. I would project Jimmy G to finish in the QB 25-30 to 30 range, and he is not someone you want to be stuck starting on a weekly basis. Garoppolo had surgery in March to repair his foot injury. In the last five years, he has missed time due to a torn ACL, high ankle sprain, calf injury, and fracture and UCL tear in his right thumb. He carries a high injury risk going into the 2023 season. For running backs, we'll look at Josh Jacobs. He finished last season as the RB3, with 1,653 rushing yards and 12 touchdowns. He also added 53 receptions for 400 yards. Jacobs won the rushing title last season, but finished as the RB3 due in part to his zero receiving touchdowns on the season. In fact, he doesn't have a receiving touchdown in his entire career. 
In the offseason, the Raiders used their franchise tag on him, and he didn't participate in the team's offseason program as a result, including June's mandatory minicamp. To date, he still hasn't signed his tender and is absent from training camp. There are two concerns for Jacobs this season. First, how his contract situation impacts his season, as there is a definite chance he sits out regular season games. Second is how he plays after the massive amount of touches he saw last season, as he finished the season with 340 carries. While I would expect his stats to regress in a less than stellar offense, I would be shocked if he finished outside of the top eight for RBs this season, provided he's back early on from his holdout. 2022 was the first season where Josh Jacobs played the full slate. Through his first three seasons, he dealt with shoulder, ankle, and toe injuries, missing a total of six games. My concern is his workload from 2022. To illustrate, let's look at a few other cases of 320-plus carry seasons. Jonathan Taylor eclipsed the mark in 2021, and in 2022, he missed six games and saw a decline in his yards per carry and fantasy points per game. The same can be said for Derrick Henry in 2021, who missed nine games, Zeke in 2017, Adrian Peterson in 2016, who missed 13 games, and DeMarco Murray in 2015. As he has not signed his franchise tag tender and is not reporting to training camp, it's up to fantasy managers to decide whether that means he will be rested to start the season or whether that only further increases his risk of injury. For the Raiders' backup RBs, Amir Abdullah and Zamir White are sharing first-team reps with the absence of Jacobs at training camp. Should Jacobs miss regular season games, the offense will likely operate with White taking the carries and Abdullah handling the passing down work. Both of these RBs are worth stash picks at this point, especially the 23-year-old Zamir White, who has a chance to slide into the starting RB role next season as Jacobs will not be returning to the team in 2024. I'm not sure either one ends up startable if Jacobs misses games in 2023, so I would leave them on the bench until we see the first few weeks of offense this season. The first wide receiver we'll look at is Devontae Adams. He finished last year as the wide receiver three, with 100 receptions for 1,516 yards and 14 touchdowns. Adams finished last year with a career-high 180 targets and finished in the top seven in targets, catches, receiving yards, and touchdowns. This year, he should be a target hog once again. Jimmy G doesn't project as a great downfield passer, which could be a bit of a problem for Adams. That being said, Josh McDaniels has proven to be an effective offensive mind over his coaching career, so I would give him the benefit of the doubt that they will adjust their scheme as needed to ensure they can use Adams to the best of his ability. He enters this season at 30 years old, but has yet to show a decline, with top five wide receiver finishes in four of his last five seasons. In fact, last season's performance was the second best fantasy performance of his career. Despite the slight downgrade in QB play, I figure Adams finishes as a top eight wide receiver again this season. He only missed one game in his last two seasons, which was due to his placement on the COVID list in 2021. Despite this, he has had a bit of a history of being banged up. 
He has missed games in five other seasons, so I would be a bit nervous about his injury risk heading into this year. The other wide receiver we'll look at is Jacoby Myers. Last year with the Patriots, he finished as the wide receiver 31, with 67 receptions for 804 yards and 6 touchdowns. Myers had the best fantasy season of his career, but it still wasn't spectacular. After only two receiving touchdowns in his first three seasons combined, he finished last year with six. He joins the Raiders on a three-year deal, reuniting with Josh McDaniels after spending his first three seasons with him in New England. Vegas lost 32.6% of their target share recipients in free agency between Mac Hollins and Darren Waller so Myers has a good chance to see a significant role this season. He is the favorite to work into the number two wide receiver role for the Raiders, as Hunter Renfro disappointed last season. He has potential to end up as a flex option in deeper leagues, but his production this season rests in the hands of what Jimmy G can do with the offense. Jacoby missed three games last season, two with a knee strain and one with a concussion. He definitely carries an injury risk into 2023, but I wouldn't let it stray you away from drafting him in later rounds. For tight ends, we'll look at rookie Michael Mayer. Mayer finished his college career with 138 receptions for 1,649 yards and 16 touchdowns over his last two seasons at Notre Dame. He was the only FBS tight end to surpass the 800-yard mark in each of his last two seasons. He was picked in the second round by the Raiders, who lost Darren Waller in free agency. He does face competition in new arrivals Austin Hooper and O.J. Howard, but he is expected to end up as the number one tight end in Vegas. Despite all this, I would keep Mayer on your taxi squad for this season, in hopes he pans out as a legitimate fantasy option. As productive as he was in college, he comes to a struggling offense in the NFL that does not project well for receiving options outside of Devontae Adams. Durability-wise, Mayer suffered from a groin strain in 2021, which bounced him out for one game. That was his only game missed from injury in college. The one player to watch for the Raiders is wide receiver Hunter Renfro. Now, I wouldn't count on it, but there is a chance that he rebounds from his dismal wide receiver 96 performance in 2022. Renfro showed his potential with a wide receiver 14 finish in 2021, but things can change quickly in the NFL, and I would expect Adams, Myers, and the new rookie tight end to out-target him this season. Thanks again for joining us today on Dynasty Digest, your ultimate destination for all things Dynasty football. Don't forget to tune in next episode as we head to the NFC East in our divisional breakdown. If you're as passionate about Dynasty football as we are, hit that subscribe button. We'd also be grateful if you could take a moment to give us a rating and review on your podcast app of choice. Your feedback helps us grow and reach more Dynasty enthusiasts like yourself. A special thanks to the talented creators of the music featured on our podcast, Penguin Music and Twistarium. To stay up to date with us beyond the podcast, follow us on Twitter at DynastyDigestPC. We'd love to hear from you. Whether you have trade value questions, Dynasty dilemmas, or feedback for the pod, our mentions and DMs are always open. Thank you for being a part of our community. 
keep chasing those dynasty championships. And remember, dynasty football is not just a game, it's a lifestyle. So, keep building those winning rosters, stay up to date with player news, and let the passion for this exciting game fuel your journey. Peace out.